What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. What up, everybody? Um, this is like a weird day for me. It's it's. I'm excited for to do this show. I'm excited to be back in a radio studio. I haven't been in one in, uh, in a couple weeks, but it's also sad for me because I spent the majority of my life in a radio studio in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, last night something crazy happened in Music City, USA. Uh, a tornado went and ripped through basically the heart of the town. Five Points, which is like a mile away from where my house was, was absolutely decimated. Uh, Germantown was flattened. Uh, a lo- lot of uh, buildings in Mount Julia and just surrounding areas of, of Nashville were hit really, really hard by this this tornado. And it just breaks my heart because that's a place that obviously is very important to me. And, you know, a couple years ago, the, there was a huge Nashville flood and everyone joined together and were able to rebuild that city to be even more badass. And I know that's going to be the case again um, this time, but it is a serious issue that's going on. A lot of people, um, I, I think the last thing I saw was like, like, I don't know, over 20 people are are dead uh, in Nashville. And it's just going to take a lot of help to rebuild that city. And um, if you have any money, if you've ever been to Nashville and gotten drunk on Lower Broadway and just appreciated the town, uh, go to cfmt.org and that'll kind of filter you into places to help the Tennessee Emergency Response Fund. Uh, Or you can just follow me at Wells Adams uh, on Twitter or Instagram. I've got links there. But anyways, thoughts, prayers, good vibes, all that kind of stuff to everyone in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Crazy, crazy, crazy night. Um, All right, pivot over to the Wells cast today. Uh, Very, very excited to have our guest on. This is a guy who won season three of Survivor. He also was on the uh, Survivor All-Stars, didn't win, but was again on the show, and now he's on the most recent Survivor All-Stars, playing for two 
million bucks. This is a guy who won one million dollars, took that money, and went and started a charity grassroots soccer that's helping kids all over the world. This is a guy who went on the Survivor, won started grassroots soccer, and then was diagnosed with cancer. This is a guy who's been on every freaking competition, reality TV show, and done well every single time. This is a guy who played collegiate and then professional soccer. His story is bonkers. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we have the Wells cast with Ethan Zahn. You do not want to miss it. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, back in the Wells cast. Very excited to have a reality TV legend on the show today. A man who won, I think, the first like truly iconic reality TV show in Survivor on season three. Ethan's on. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Yeah? Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. Now, this was back in the day in which I was obsessed with Survivor. Um, I remember your season very, very vividly, um, and I re- I just remember being like, I could totally do this. <laughs> and me and my brother, like before I ever, it's so funny because my brother was uh, like was contacted to go on the Bachelor, uh, the Bachelorette, and then and then I ended up doing it. But we were like, no, 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 we want to do Survivor, and they're like, <laughs> no, dude, you're not doing Survivor. So um, you're back at it again. Yeah. Why? I don't know. What are you I doing? <laughs> I took a 16-year hiatus. Yeah. I had hung up the Survivor boots, and then I had to resurrect it and uh, get off my couch, start training again, get ready for Survivor Season 40. Yeah. 40. You were just talking about Season 3. Uh, yeah. We're on Season 40, and it's called Winners at War, and they brought back 20 of the most popular, epic, legendary Survivor winners of all time to compete again but this time, it's not one million; it's two million bucks. Okay, it should have been yeah. forty million bucks, though. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. First of all, I, Survivor is not a young man's game. No. So you? No, it is a young man's game. No, yeah, sorry, it is it, a young man's yes. game. And you? Um, I'm not young. You're not anymore. <laughs> I mean, like this was a long time ago that you won. One more million dollars? I don't understand. Why are you coming back for this? Uh, well, you know, I, I first time I played, I was 27 years old. Yeah. Second time I played was 30 years old. And then now I'm 46. And it was just an incredible opportunity. I mean, this yeah. show literally changed my life back in the day. And for those folks who are listening that don't realize the history of reality television, like... Back in 2001, like reality shows weren't that prevalent. There weren't that many of them out yeah. there. And Survivor was one of the most popular ones. And so I was jumped at the chance back then. I jumped at the chance here. And I'd been through some pretty significant health challenges. And so for me to get back to a place in my life where I'm physically and mentally like capable of taking on Survivor and everything it has to offer was a huge win for me. So just getting to day one was like a gift. Okay, well... Later on the show, I want to talk about some of your health scares and your issues, but it seems to me that any doctor worth his salt would be like, no, you are not allowed to do this. How are you able to go and and play again? I got a lot of uh, medical checkups. Yeah, I needed a little extra time from, uh, I said, hey, CBS, let, you know, yeah. seriously, I need an extra month to get all my health checked out. But I wouldn't say the doctors uh, said it was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was a good idea. You know, it's a, it's a perfect little bookend. Okay. To this incredible life. Wait, it Survivor. was it was it was famous last words. It was a good idea. Play that clip right <laughs> oh, now boy. where it was not a great idea. <laughs> It's a tough challenge right now, and I'm um, struggling to get through it. So, I gotta finish my sundown. So, I'm going as fast as I can. I'll go until my legs collapse, or the sun goes down. I may not finish, but I'm not gonna stop.
You're insane. <laughs> what are you doing? We're all insane. I think it's so fun when I when I like look back on the, my time on reality TV. I was like, oh my god, this is so hard. I just don't want to get dumped on national TV. And you're like, it's a good change to my die out here. Right. I don't know. So coming back, was it fun? Because yeah. the game has changed, right? Definitely. Did, tell, like, talk about like the beginning. Of, like you were there in the beginning when when it was like you know you get kicked off the show you get kicked off the show and now it's different. Talk about then and now. I think back in the day, old school style. You know there was no clues, idols, ways to get back in the game. No edge of extinction. Now they even have a currency. There's a currency on Survivor. There's this like little economy going on. And so for me to grasp onto these new like ways to play the game was. It was difficult. Like it was slow motion back then. We were playing the game underwater. Now it's like rocket fuel. People are like moving back and forth. Information's passed left and right. There's so many different ways to get ahead in the game. And I think uh, I don't know if it's better or worse. Mm -hmm. It's just different. Yeah. You know, they have to keep mixing up the game, keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting for the audience. So I, I understand that. But to me, like Survivor at its core is like if you get voted off. Game over, You're done. Dead. Go home. Yeah. So this, like, you know, living in the edge of extinction thing is a little bit uh, mysterious. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I see it both ways, but for me, it's like, ain't broke, don't fix. Like, the show has always been awesome. You don't need to keep on like making it crazier. Did you watch the show since your seasons, or have you like kind of like, okay, that was, uh, you know, that was years ago, and now I'm do doing other stuff. I definitely watched the show. Okay, so you've yeah, been keeping up on all the stuff. Definitely keeping up. But, I, you know, leading up to this season 40, I watched, went back and watched some of the seasons. I missed a season or two here and there. Mm -hmm. Around like 2009 to 12, 13, I didn't watch that much. But I went back and watched them all. And, I mean, to watch them all in a row, one after another, is, you know, pretty crazy. Because I actually went back and watched Survivor Africa. Because yeah. I, I had only watched it once when it was on TV, when all my friends were around in New York City. It was nuts. So I didn't really focus on it. So yeah. my wife and I went back and watched it over because I wanted to know like how I presented myself, what I was like. And I went back. I didn't even recognize myself. Like, who is that? Like, innocent yeah. young guy. You have no idea what's about to happen to you. Your life is going to be so crazy. Um, but, you know, I think uh, that helped me kind of figure out how other people would respond to me out there in this new season of Survivor and yeah. how, how they relate to me. Because at its core, Survivor is a game of relationships. That's it. Yeah. How has the response been this season? Just with, I mean, Survivor has a crazy fan base. So is everyone pumped to see you back or are people talking trash on Twitter? Like, what's the response? Uh, in general, I think people are excited to see me back. Yeah. You know, it's been a while. Um, and like I said, there's been some stuff in my life. So I think people are just excited to see me back. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to respond to that. You didn't win, right? Or we wouldn't be able to do this show. Is that correct? Well, let me, let me like back up a little yeah. bit. What's happening now. Yeah. The way the show is constructed, when you're voted out, yeah. you don't go home. You go to this place called the Edge of Extinction. Oh, man, it's lost. Yes. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and on the Edge of Extinction, you're in purgatory. It's like a world between life and death because you can play. There's a par completely parallel game going on in the Edge of Extinction. Okay. You can win challenges out there, win these fire tokens, and there are ways to get back into the real game. Okay. So... Basically, you're never you're never gone. You're never voted out wow. um, unless you pull a flag. That's the torture. 
in the middle of this tiny little island on the edge of extinction, there's a flagpole. And if you pull up that flagpole, you get to go home and eat your Doritos. Yeah. But if not, you're still there. And uh, so that's kind of how this game has worked. So based on what's happening now in the show, what happened, I was voted off last gotcha. episode, sent to the edge of extinction. And the challenge that we all just heard, that was this next challenge that's coming up on the edge of extinction. Okay, okay, I understand. So there's, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yes, there right. is. That's what's beautiful about that. <laughs> That's how they redevelop the game. I think it's incredible that they they do this stuff. All right, so two million bucks still on the table. Yeah, I love that. Um, but we didn't know. We didn't know going into it that oh, it was really? going to be two million. Jeff, oh, really? Yeah, we showed up on the beach and we lined up in a big giant line. And Jeff Probst, who's the host of the show, is like, "All right, guys, blah 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 blah." Challenges. Oh yeah, one more thing. It's two million <laughs> instead of one million. We're like, "What?" It was insane. Wait, insane. Did your agent know about it? At least? No one knew about it. <laughs> I don't have an agent, but uh, <laughs> um, but no one knew about it. And like we would obviously, we all came back to play for what we thought was one million. Yeah. So this was just uh, icing on the cake. Wow. Well, I have mean, you ever played for two million dollars? Anything? No. Right. One million dollars? No. It's weird, right? I played for love. Aww. That's what I played for, and it didn't. Well, it worked out in the end, but like it didn't work out at the time. Did you meet someone that was on the show? No. Oh, okay. I met someone outside the show, but yeah. everything's. I'm engaged, and everything's going great. Great. Um, thank you so much. So, um, like, if if you compare the two, uh, or I guess three, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite? The first one's your favorite? Yeah, the first one I would say Africa. One, it yeah. was a new adventure. Mm-hmm. Twenty-seven years old. Middle of Africa, we had animals like all around. There's a real threat to danger. Mm-hmm. You know, that was exciting. And for me, I was never super motivated by the prize, but I was a soccer player, mm-hmm. you know, an athlete. I wanted to win, do well at the challenges. And I just think this game is so incredible because it touches on every single part of you as a human being, mental, physical, social, spiritual, environmental, all that stuff. Like, and you got to push yourself and then you got to push yourself a little further. And to be able to do that on the world stage with millions of people watching is like, it's a rush and it's, it's, it's exciting for me. And that's what I kind of looked up, looked up for. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm not sure if anyone told you like the premise of this show, but I am obsessed with how people got to where everyone knows who the hell they are. So this is an origin story podcast. Okay. Um, but a lot of what I want to know about you kind of happened in between people knowing who you were. So I want to get to that as well, but tell everyone, where are you from? I'm grew up outside Boston, place Mm -hmm. called Lexington, Massachusetts, but now I'm currently living in New Hampshire. Okay. Granite state live free or die. And are you like a only child? Do you have siblings? I'm the youngest of three. Okay. Older brothers. Yeah. And uh, I'm married. I have uh, two cats. I don't have children. Um, I lived in New York City for the longest time. And then we recently moved to New Hampshire to kind of do the whole off the grid thing. So we uh, live in the middle of the woods, no neighbors, all that stuff. So um, you were telling me kind of off air that you um, were a soccer player. You played collegiate soccer. Is that something that you did kind of growing up? That was you were uh, like a prodigy soccer player? <laughs> um, I think I was, uh, like I said, I had two older brothers who just liked to like pummel balls at my yeah. face. So I ended up being a goalkeeper. Okay. So I was a goalkeeper growing up. I went to uh, played soccer as a youth played soccer in college and mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah and then I went on to play soccer after college and I played six years professional wow. and one of those years was in uh, Zimbabwe so I played in the Zimbabwe Premier League for a team called the Highlanders Football Club yeah. which was an incredible 
eye-opening experience to me and uh that was one of the moments in my life that put me on another trajectory and little did you know years later you'd be back in africa <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> totally sweating your balls oh, off. i know <laughs> my god i know wait so were you the only american in does on the zimbabwean team yeah i mean there was two of us yeah and it's funny it actually started back in the day i don't know if you remember a guy by the name of andrew shoe he's on a tv show called Merrill's place yeah 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 graduated from dartmouth anyway he went over to Zimbabwe in the late 80s and played there, and they won the championship. And wow. so ever since then, they wanted to bring over at least one U.S.-based white American yeah. players because they think they had to have at least one white dude on the team in order to win the championship. They're all about good juju, bad juju. <laughs> so I was the kind of like that token, that token white guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the funniest moment of my entire time there was my first – I was backup goalkeeper, mm -hmm. and like I couldn't really communicate that well, language barriers. But I finally got 20 minutes in one game during the whole season – and the whole like fan supports behind me, so I'm running down there. I had long, big curly hair back then, and it's raining a little bit. And the, the fans, they're all cheering for me. Like this is incredible. They freaking love me. They're going, yeah. Makiwaza, Makiwaza. I'm like, they're going like Captain America or like Team USA. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. Ah, best moment of my life. Run off the end of the game. I talked to the starting goalkeeper. I'm like, dude, they love me. He's like, do you know what they were saying? I was like, no. He's like, they were yelling, pubic hair, pubic hair, pubic hair. And I was like, okay. And then in the paper the next day, it said, Evans Zoe makes an appearance. Meanwhile, my name's Ethan Zahn, and they're calling me pubic hair. It's like the craziest moment of my life. Oh, we have similar hair, too. Yeah, so. we do. And this whole office is full of curly hair. Um, okay, so... Was that the end of the road in soccer was playing in Zimbabwe or did you like come back stateside and, and play uh, here? Yep. So I came back uh, and played one more year here. Yeah. And then I realized it wasn't going to be the next superstar and had to make a, a change in my life and uh, moved to New York City, got a job in advertising, mm -hmm. but they uh, ended up firing me before I even walked in did to they start know? the job. Who the hell you you were pubic hair? I was Mister Pubic they're Hair. Firing you? I know. Freaking. <laughs> how dare they? What were they? Like thinking? all I owned in my life was cleats and sweatpants. <laughs> I went and I bought shoes and a suit. I had a belt. I had a tie. Yeah. You know. And then there was a hiring freeze. Literally in four days before I was supposed to start the job, they said, "No, nah, nationwide hiring freeze. Can't come in." And that's when I was like bored in New York City. I had a roommate. I'm like, "What do you want to do today?" Yeah. Like, well, let's make a video for Survivor. I'm like. Sure. So we may or may not have had some drinks uh, yeah. during the day or some other, you know, substances that were fun. And we went around the New York City and made a video. And I was supposed to make a video for him and he was supposed to make it for me, but we ran out of time for my buddy. And we just <laughs> sent him my video and then like I got the call and it, the, like, the, that story goes from there. But it was really a, a giant like uh, successful list of failures is kind of what got me to Survivor. If you're looking to how I got there. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I mean, that, that's crazy. So were you a big Survivor fan? Obviously, if you were, if you wanted to make the video on the show, right? But that's only, you've only probably seen one season. I, I assume they are probably filming season two at the time that you made the video. I, I don't know, but that's how my like production brain works. So it, it was a relatively unknown show, right? Definitely. But, I mean, I was like trying to figure out how to get a video to them like on like dial up you know, an internet and it was, we made two v VHSs, VH, two VCRs editing it back and forth, yeah. stayed up all night. But there was only two seasons. The first one, Survivor Borneo, Survivor yeah. Australia. And so I had only seen maybe 
half of Survivor Australia yeah. before it was time to send in the tape. So we didn't really know much about it. This was the beginning of reality TV. I love it. We had like the Miz on the show. <laughs> nice. I mean, he, you know, he's from. Uh, He's from I love that guy. Yeah, you know, he's he's done a million freaking reality TV shows, but Real World was kind of his first claim to fame. And I loved hearing kind of his casting story. Everyone's heard mine, so tell I me. Well, <laughs> I can tell you really quickly. Uh, they were like, "This idiot looks like uh, he'll uh, not kiss a girl for eight episodes. Get him on the show." By the way, by the way, uh, Ethan is good friends with one of the EPs in The Bachelor. His name is Bennett. And I remember having a conversation with Bennett, and he was like, you know what? Because it was like episode eight, and he was like, you haven't kissed her yet. And I was like, I haven't had any time to kiss her, dude. And he was like, you know what you should do? You should play hard to get. And I was like, you are right, sir. And then looking back, that was the dumbest freaking idea. It was a dating show. Why was I playing hard to get? So I can't I, listen to Bennett. No, That's you the moral of the story. Cannot. So um, you make this video. How long until Survivor hits you up? I assume Propes is one who calls you. No, back no. <laughs> in the day, I wish it was Propes. Uh, you know, it was just casting people. Yeah. You know, you, you know, traditional story. I'm like, no, who the hell is this? Mm -hmm. No, you know, who's joking me? All that stuff. And then, yeah, phone calls, phone calls. Then you go for casting and all that. Do they do like personality tests and psychological tests? Oh, yeah. For about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Same it's, like a, it's like a 500 question yeah. psyche eval. And the questions are messed up. It's like, would you want to be a, a would you want to be a park ranger? And you're like, I don't know. And then the next one's like, do you ever have thoughts of killing your best friend? She's like, well, I'm rethinking the park ranger thing. <laughs> do you read tabloid magazines? Do you like to sit in the corner of the room? You know, it's like weird. You know, yeah. And then do they you blame people for your failures. That's a big question. You're like, I don't know. Some people, I guess. <laughs> they just want to be a win a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, so they hit you up. You yep. have to go through all the stuff. Now, I've heard the. Um, I mean, like, do you do you come in with like a bunch of people, and are you like around a bunch of potential cast members, or are you segregated from everybody? Uh you're segregated from everybody. So you're each given your own hotel room. You back in the day, we were there uh, probably a week, five days, and yeah. psychological testing, personality, photo shoot. You can work out. Sometimes they knock on your door at like two in the morning, see what you look like without you know your hair done or women makeup on and mm -hmm. stuff. So that whole casting process was an adventure in itself. But yeah, keep you separated. You don't see many people. They eventually say, okay, you're on the show. Yep. Right. Yeah, they totally did. Um. Do you call your family and be like, so not going to talk to you for a couple months, uh, might die. Like, how does that <laughs> conversation go? I mean, lucky for me that I have, I had a history of just kind of disappearing in general. Like I went to Zim I was in Zimbabwe yeah. playing soccer, you know, went to Israel, all this stuff. Like people, I just disappear. So that wasn't so difficult and I didn't have right. a traditional nine to five job at the time, but calling my mom, yeah. my nice, wonderful overbearing Jewish mother yeah. is like, what's her name? Rochelle. Rochelle. Okay. Rochelle. Thank you. Rochelle's on. Um, she's the greatest. And, uh, but yeah, like one, she didn't really know what the show was all mm -hmm. about. So it was okay. But then when I came back and I'm like emaciated, I look yeah. like a Hasidic Jew and like, she's like, what's going on and all this stuff. And, that's when, uh, then she started crying. She's like, yeah. honey, were you cold? Were you tired? <laughs> you know, were you hungry? And I'm like, yes, all of the above. Yes, but look at my bank account. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, growing up as a, you know, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, or a disappointment. Yeah. So for me, this is a great opportunity to show her I was worth something. Um, okay, so you go on the show, and is it, 
is it as bad as it seems? Because it seems pretty bad on the show. Or is it so much worse? I would say it is a lot worse than what you guys see. Because yeah. don't forget, I mean, you're a student of reality television, but a lot of it doesn't get made to the the, the air. Like sure. in Survivor especially, there's a lot of downtime. The days are long, the nights are longer. Like that's what it's all about. So you get in your own head and you start ruminating and you try to, you know, all this stuff is going on. So the for me, the mental side of things was always more difficult than the physical side of things. I was a soccer player like yourself, hung out, thought I did good in the challenges, but having to get to a point where you're breaking relationships or hurting your friends or people you thought were your friends, lying, cheating, doing what you needed to do to get it in the game, that was difficult for me. Yeah. I think, you know, back to the casting to tie that up, they said to me that the reason we're putting you on the show, this is back in Africa, is like you're kind of opposite than everyone else. Like you're not necessarily the A-type personality, you know, where you have peaks, they have, you know, uh, valleys and vice versa. And so I think I was like an experiment. Like what's going to happen if we put this like, normal average like compassionate empathetic person on the show and uh that's what happened well yeah it worked out i guess i think so i think in that way it did yeah i had a good game that game and uh that's the beauty of the game you can play a hundred different ways and win a different ways what is the one th what is the thing that sucks the hardest that people don't really understand or comprehend about playing survivor i mean you never ever have anything that's got like a back to it yeah. You know, so you're always like hunched over, you're sitting in the dirt or you're trying to lean up against a tree. You're just never comfortable. Yeah. You're uncomfortable for 39 days. And so that's one of the things that I thought was the most, people don't really realize that for us, you know, in Africa, getting water was a lot of difficult. It's a whole day to go get water, 45 minutes, you get the water. We actually shared our water source with like all the, all the rest of the animals. Yeah, so like no, we'd have to wait and we'd have to push away big piles of elephant and then we'd like fill up our water, strain it, boil it, wait till it cool, and then you could drink it. Yeah. Now there are wells, mm -hmm. no pun intended, <laughs> on the show um, where you can just kind of dip in and get your own water. So like it's the survival aspect has been diminished these days. Kids these days. Frick, you right? Know? Millennials. Back in these season three. Millennials. You know, it was, it was uphill both ways in the snow, <laughs> and now they got they got wells. Um, and they all, everyone like, you know, going back on this current season of Survivor 40, there's, if you've watched up until now, there's a little bit of the old school, new school divide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, you know, I'm that, I'm the old elder statesman, like, ah, exactly. Back in the day, we had to do mm -hmm. this in the, uh, so it's been there. The, the one thing that I, I think that I'm, uh, I, I feel is a common denominator between all reality television shows um, is that camera crews and sound guy, just the crew in general disappear very, very quickly for you. Um, I assume that that's how that is for you guys, especially because you guys are under so much stress that you're really not worried about anything else. Um, now for me, and this is so sad, but it's true, like the thing that like I was craving the most when I did those shows was they, they take away your phone. I was like, mm -hmm. dude, let me get some Twitter real quick. You know, like I'll do anything for some Twitter right now. Yeah. But those guys, I assume, you know, it's hot out there. They've got like, I would assume bottles of water and like Nutri-Grain bars and stuff. <laughs> Were you ever just like, I need to steal from <laughs> the sound guy over here? Yeah. Every moment <laughs> of every day you're like that. But I think that, yeah, they do an incredible job of disappearing. You know, yeah. they're not allowed to chew gum, wear scented lotions, watches, drink water, eat in front of you. They don't even wear, wa they don't wear the watches because we don't know what time it is ever. Yeah. So they do a really good job of keeping us like 
in the dark yeah. in, in a way. Uh, but yeah, like every moment you're trying to engage in conversation yeah, yeah. and they just nothing. Like at the time, this most recent one, we filmed in Fiji uh-huh. and uh, it was a Champions League final. And so I, I'm a Tottenham Hotspurs yeah. fan and like this guy was wearing like a Spurs hat. And I'm like, dude, you just, please give me the score. And he was just like, quiet the whole yeah, time yeah, yeah. the entire time i was out there could not get the oh, freaking score out of him that's brutal horrible dude. i was will i was willing to give him my fire tokens yeah. and like my, my four grains of rice he still wouldn't do it listen guy i've had diarrhea for seven days <laughs> yes. in a row just tell me the score yeah <laughs> i mean if i had diarrhea i'd be happy like you're not you're not doing anything out there really the one thing that they teach you out there is uh you know, there's a four-day, like, how not to die on Survivor course. Seems you, like it should be longer, but okay. It should be definitely longer. <laughs> and they teach you uh, kind of like the dip and dump, you know, how to take a dump in the water yeah, yeah, and yeah. do it properly to make sure, like, you know, because there's no toilet paper out there. and But you don't really go that often. Well, this season people went because there's coke, a lot of coconuts, so those... Yeah, diuretic. Yeah, diuretic. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're... Uh, so I, if anyone needs to learn how to dip and dump, mm-hmm. I'm... Uh, Hit me up on Cameo. I'll teach you how. The, <laughs> the old aqua dump. Okay, so, I mean, I, this, I could talk to you about this forever, but I'm running out about of time. About dumping? Yeah, yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, so you win. I did. You win a million dollars. Yeah. Um, you get off the show. You do something really cool with the money. What do you do? I use that money to yeah. co-found a charity called Grassroots Soccer. Yeah. And we are an adolescent health organization that uses the power of soccer to educate, inspire, and mobilize young people to make healthier choices in life. Okay. And uh, the reason I had my time in Africa playing soccer, I had a couple of friends pass away from AIDS. And these are, is actually the starting goalkeeper, guy I trained with every single day. And so at that time in my life, 27 years old, didn't have any money. I didn't know like what can one person do to help with this massive problem in all of Africa. So that's, I didn't do anything to be honest. It wasn't my problem. Shelved it. Fast forward to Survivor. While I was on the show Survivor, I actually had I won a reward challenge where I won these two goats, which I wasn't so happy about. But I got to take these goats to this village of Wamba, and I was hanging out in the parking lot of Wamba Hospital, and I just started playing hacky sack with all these little kids. And I later found out that these kids were HIV positive. Mm-hmm. So here I am in the middle of this game this cutthroat game of Survivor, and I had this real-life experience. So when I got off the show, I really wanted to do something, I don't know, good with the money. Like, you had 15 minutes of fame, I had a chunk of money, great platform that Survivor gave me, and uh, we started Grassroots Soccer. Where can people find out more about Grassroots Soccer and, like, I don't know, be involved in it? Sure, uh, grassrootsoccer.org. I highly encourage everyone to check it out, and, uh, you know, just... Tell a friend about it. It's really what we want to do. We're uh, we're currently operating in 50 countries, and wow. we've graduated 2.3 million kids from the program. No way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So people often think about Survivor as a show that's creating fans around the world, but like what they don't realize is this show, for me, has been a springboard to a life that I would have never been able to do by starting grassroots soccer and saving lives around the world. Um, and so... I think that's a really neat uh, thing to know about the show Survivor and bring that forward till now. Every year they auction off all the props you see in the show on eBay to raise money for Stand Up to Cancer, to, for cancer research, which is wonderful as well. It's amazing. Uh, awesome. Uh, what is Bachelor doing? That's I was just going to say, Like I feel all I've done is sold diarrhea tea and started a <laughs> podcast. So, But they don't give me any money at the end of right, it, so right that's, that's my excuse. You don't get tips out there? No. 
we gonna talk to your boy Bennett. All right, I'm gonna. I, I get nothing. Maybe we out can there. introduce a a bachelor currency, mm-hmm. where like it's a token. <laughs> like some sort of token yeah. of appreciation. Maybe. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, because those guys don't appreciate me at all. No, they should more. I really. Uh, you don't even get to see the B roll of me walking around cleaning up. Cups. I think you need a bigger role. So this is my philosophy about you. Yeah. And tell me if I'm Do wrong. Do you watch the show? Yeah, of course I watch the show. Wow. My wife loves the show. She loves you. Um, and we feel, I feel that Bennett and Chris Harrison are just grooming you to be the next Chris Harrison. No, no, no. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. And here's the thing, because I'm good friends with Chris. It's know, the same thing with, with like Jeff. There can be no other, you know, he's like the Highlander. There can be only one. I wouldn't want to be like Harrison 2.0, you know, like I'll do go do my own thing. I like making, first of all, I like my gig, like making the drinks and giving people bad advice and all that kind of stuff. But you're right. I do need some tokens and maybe we do need like a purgatory in paradise where like you get dumped, but like you're still there. You know? How do you how do you get back into the game? How do you get another date if you're in the uh, the, the the I don't know. Dean area. shaved his mustache. There's got to be a way to get back Dean, in, dude. You know? Bachelor in Paradise is the place to be. Yeah. <laughs> do you think people play the regular Bachelor to get on the Paradise version? I mean, I wouldn't like because now it's not just now you're like on Survivor. Some people are playing to get asked back. They don't care if they win or lose yeah. the first round. They're playing to make a make a statement, make a big move, so like they'll be asked back for a returning season. Yeah. I'd imagine some of the players have that in their mind when they're playing Bachelor. When I first went there, it wasn't the show that it is now. It was kind of like, I don't want to do that show. It's kind of trashy. And now it's very popular. So I think that now it's not the worst thing in the world if you get dumped, if you get to go spend a month on the beach in, in paradise. Yes. Unless you're Blake and then everything looks real bad on TV. <laughs> I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about you. So Aww. after... Um, you win the million dollars. You start this amazing charity. Yes. You do other um, reality TV shows. I do. But also, you get sick in this time frame. Yeah. So what happens first? I go on... Reality TV gives you cancer, is what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, God. That was a joke. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I feel like that I have... I, I can make those jokes. If I offended anyone, I'm sorry. But yeah, Survivor, Survivor All-Stars, Amazing Race, Fear Factor, everything. I did all of it. You did the, the whole washing yeah. machine of shows that, back in the day. But in 2009, I was diagnosed with a rare form of blood cancer called CD20 positive Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh, wow. I'd never heard of it either. Don't worry. Uh, multiple rounds of chemotherapy, 22 blasts of radiation, and I had an autologous stem cell transplant, which got the disease into remission, which was great, and I was in remission for 20 months, and then um, I relapsed, and the cancer came back. And obviously, you know, getting the news that the cancer return was deflating, exponentially more difficult than the first. Mm-hmm. Um running out of options. And uh, lucky for me, I, I started on an experimental new therapy um, called Smart Targeted Therapy. And I don't really know what they put in this stuff, but it's pretty freaking smart because yeah. it's got the disease intermission again. I was able to go on to get a second stem cell transplant, this time using my brother Lee as the donor. So uh, now I'm seven years in remission. And Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. And healthy enough to go play Survivor. I know. And that's crazy. It is crazy. Um, in a weird way, did because Survivor, I mean, it looks so taxing. And here's the thing so when I watch that show, I think there's would be so many times where I would be like, I'm out, I gotta go, this is too hard, this is um, this is dangerous for me, this is stupid. Like, I'm probably not gonna win. I, I could see myself doing that and be like, I got to pull the red flag or whatever, I'm out, you yeah. know. Um, but there's people who are like really mentally tough and obviously you were one of those people if you were able to win, um, in a weird way, did winning survivor help you win the battle with cancer? 
in a weird way, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, one, I'm playing for a million bucks when I'm playing for my life. So yeah. let's put that aside. But like what I get back to, I said earlier, this game pushes you further than you'll ever be able to do it in a controlled atmosphere. So you know you're not going to die, but you can come as close to dying as possible. Yeah. And like it pushes you and then you got to push yourself even more. So I think I brought that attitude into the fight against cancer. Mm -hmm. And growing up as an athlete, you know, I had a little bit of that competitive mentality. And so with Survivor and, and knowing how far I can really push myself and how skinny I got and tired and lethargic, and I still could muster the strength to go do some challenge or whatnot, that I think helped a lot going through cancer. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so you, you've been in remission for the past seven years, like we said. Um, and at which, which point did you go back to Survivor in this journey? Because yep. this is the third time now, right? This is the third time. So first time was 2001, second time 2004, and now in uh, 2020. So for me, the there's a long time in between, mm -hmm. as I said before. Um, and when I... I kind of forgot what the question was. Well, I guess my my question was just like timeline. Did you get sick before the second season? Okay, no. So I got sick. Yes. Okay, I got sick in 2009. Yeah. So 2009 okay. to 2013, yeah. I was sick. And then now this is when the second, the third survivor came around. So, um, yeah. All right. So you're you're back on, I guess we're now in present day. You're, okay. You're back on the show. Or you're bound to go back on the show. What is your, what is your wife saying about, <laughs> is she like, yeah. Go on the, well, the show. The first, so when I when I was sick for the second time, I was actually watching Survivor season twenty, Heroes versus Villains, in my hospital room, like dreaming or praying that I'd be alive long enough or get out of this thing so I could go play again. Like I knew that something like this would be looming. But so ten years later, they asked me back, and my wife was excited but nervous, mm -hmm. uh, but totally encouraged me to go yeah. go try this thing. Like I was probably more nervous than she was. Like I've lived a nice comfortable life with I got my two cats, you know, I got my wife, I got mounds of cannabis everywhere, you know, like it's <laughs> life is good, you know? So like here I am, you want me to go play Survivor and like I don't have any of this stuff, yeah. right? You know. Uh so I don't have my toolkit and for me cancer was okay. Like when a doctor tells you to do something, you die, you pretty much do it. There's no choices. But after cancer, that what we call like survivorship it was torturous for me. Like I had a really tough time getting my life back together, you know, dump trucks full of uncertainty, invisible scars that need healing. Like, uh, you know, I didn't look good. I didn't feel good. I was infertile. I didn't have a job. I didn't have health insurance. Like I'm not the guy you want to bring home to mom and say, Hey, like this is, this is, you know, so for me getting myself to a place where I was just mentally stable, was yeah. huge for me. So she was happy that I could go play again. Yeah. And that I was excited about doing it. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from and those are like internal issues, but the, on the other yeah. side of the coin, it's like, this is a guy who beat cancer. This is a guy who won Survivor. You know, like this is a guy who played professional soccer. You know, there's, I see where you're coming from, but also there's the other side of the coin of like, uh, Ethan's a badass. Don't forget it, you know? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, this has been so fascinating to hear your story and, it makes me feel very bad about what I've done with my career, but it's fine. Um, I want to. I don't have a podcast. That's, well, you should have one. And guess what? I'm not Amy a bartender. Sugar, where is she? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can make you a. Stiff I think you drink. should be very proud of what yeah. you've accomplished, dude. Well, thank you. Um, I'll make you a stiff drink. You roll me up a, a 
a nice fatty, yeah. and then everything will be fine. No, no, no fire. It's instead of fire tokens, it's token by the fire. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Hey, quick break. When we come back, I want to do a rapid fire questions with you. Is that cool? Sounds real cool. Thanks, man. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in the Wells cast, got uh, Ethan Zahn on the show, uh, a man who is, well, uh, a survivor in many aspects, but you probably know him as the guy who won season three of Survivor, and now he's on uh, the most recent season. Before we went to break, well, I joked about, like, I'll make you a drink, you roll me a fatty. <laughs> um, and... And during break, you were like, 
I, that's a, kind of a part of my life. Tell everyone how cannabis, I don't know, kind of helped you in your your uh, recovery process. Yeah, I, that, yes. Well, you know, going through cancer, you know, I, I had used cannabis to mitigate some of the side effects of cancer treatment. Like they pump you full of these synthetic pills, taking five pills just to get to bed at night and popping them in the morning to get it. So like, I didn't like that lifestyle. I was trying to get away from it, trying to find something natural from the earth. And cannabis was that for me. Uh, from a medical you know, perspective, I was an athlete. I never used it you know, growing up at all. And I'm not a big drinker or any of that stuff. Um, so in post recovery, in recovery from cancer, and then I kind of got more into CBD and I take CBD every single day, like a multivitamin. And so I was really interested if I'm going to be putting this stuff inside my body, I want to see where it's coming from, how it's grown, processed, all that stuff. So I invested in a uh, 116 acre hemp farm in Plainfield, Vermont to my buddies that I met on a reality show, Eco Challenge, way back in the day. This guy, Anthony Sullivan and Dave Christian. Anthony Sullivan, you might know, he's the OxyClean guy. He's mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm Anthony Sullivan. This is OxyClean. Yeah, Wet yeah. stains, get your stains out clean. That guy. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he's one of my buddies. So I invested it because he wanted to grow hemp for his daughter who's having epileptic seizures. So like, I really, for me, after being through what I've been through and all the synthetics and pharmaceuticals, like I really wanted to get involved. So I moved up there for the summer. I planted, I harvested, I processed, and they're filming the whole thing for a reality television really? program. Yep. Called, uh, Kings of Kush, which <laughs> will be, uh, airing probably, I don't know whenever, but the same guy that does like monster garage, ice road truckers, yeah. deadliest catch, you know, Tom beers, he's involved, but yeah, it's, it's a fully functioning farm and it's going to be an incredible show. We got a, uh, you know, products coming out and, uh, yeah, it's been a really wonderful educational experience for me to be part of that process and to see something. I don't know if anyone's ever like just grown something from the earth and then you put it in your body and I'm getting really hippie here, but it was a really neat experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to see that the conversation has been flipped and changed about cannabis and hemp and CBD in, in the past, like 10 years. Um, Especially in the in the on the medical side yeah. of things, it, the answer always seems to be just pump them full of more painkillers, 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 and you know, marijuana doesn't kill anyone, whereas oxycotton and all that kind of stuff can mm -hmm. really do some damage. So that's really cool. Can people buy your stuff right now, or is uh, not yet? Yeah, they can. Yeah. Um, are you allowed to say stuff like that? I think yeah, so. Yeah, it's called Mont. The farm is called Montcush. Go to montcush.com. And, uh, you know, you mentioned opioids, which I think is interesting because part of my whole process of getting involved with the industry is I'm a huge philanthropist. I love charity. So part of it is I launched a new charity, taking everything I learned from grassroots soccer and now applying that to cannabis. Um, we feel cannabis is good for public health. We also believe if more kids start misusing cannabis and drugs, it's bad for the kids, bad for the industry. So we raise money from within the cannabis industry and through our foundation called the Safe Roots Foundation, we fund the best evidence-based teenage drug prevention programs across the country. Wow. And so uh, we feel that cannabis, you know, tobacco, anti-smoking, alcohol, drunk driving, iPhone, anti-screen time, same thing here. We're at the beginning of a brand new industry. They have the ability to make a real, uh, move the needle in the fight against drugs. Cause obviously it's not working with this whole opioid crisis yeah. that's happening. So, uh, we feel that's a really good way for the industry itself to give back to the world that we live in and make sure more kids, uh, stop using drugs. Ethan, you're a good guy, man. Jeez Louise. It's all the editing. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, we haven't edited this show. You <laughs> seem like you're pretty badass. Uh, we'll end the show with some rapid fire. Yep. 
Um, thank you again so much for being on the show. This has been really cool. Thank you for having me. Answer as fast as you possibly can. Rapid fire questions with Ethan Zahn. Who was your first kiss? Christina Zani. Oh. She gave on my bar mitzvah. It was my bar mitzvah present, and she shoved her tongue down my mouth. I said, oh, my God, <laughs> what is going on here? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, first concert you ever went to? Uh, Billy Joel. Nice. First job you ever had? I'm still trying to find yeah, one. Yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, what was your first car? Do you remember? Yeah, it was uh, my brother's passed down Hyundai. Nice. Yeah. Celebrity you get mistaken for? Josh Groban. Okay. I could see McDreamy, too. Ooh, I you know? like that one. I'll take that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, who gets you out of jail? Paul Tedesco, my buddy from high school. What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, people that walk, take up the whole sidewalk when they walk. <laughs> yeah. That's like a, so tourist in New York. Bar. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, teacher influenced your life the most. Teacher, I mean, uh, a soccer coach of mine, uh, Dr. Andy Jennings from Vassar College, you know, big mentor of mine, teacher, coach. Yeah. Stuck on an island with only one book, what would you bring? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a prayer for Owen Meany. Okay. Is that what that one no, is? No, this well? is <laughs> Jessica Simpson. <laughs> but I, I'm open. I'm into it. I'm yeah, on page three not? already. If you won an Oscar, who would be the first person you thanked in your speech? I would thank my wife, Lisa. First, a favorite podcast other than this one? Uh, American Fiasco, uh, which is about the 1998, you know, 1994 World Cup soccer team. Very cool. Yeah. First record, cassette, or CD, what was it? Uh, it was probably Billy Joel's Greatest Hits or The Cure. Big Billy Joel guy yeah, over here. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. No, and I, I love The well, Cure I had all well. the brothers. They took me to The Who, Prince, oh, yeah. Billy Joel, Kiss, all that stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's one thing that's always in your fridge? Uh, carbonated water. Okay. That's been Rapid Fire Questions with Ethan Zahn. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the Wells cast. Your story is just bonkers and so inspirational and so empowering. Um, and I'm always, I'm, it always makes me feel good to see guys and ladies who, who get to do the reality TV thing, the 15 minutes of fame, and are able to pivot and use it into and, and make it into something and you my friend are a trailblazer in that like you've you've done so much that it's quite honestly it's it's intimidating but it's so cool and it's so cool to hear your story so thank you so much for being on the show man. well thanks for having me and spending time and including me in your podcast it's been awesome appreciate and that again if people want to find out more about you where they need to go ethanzon.com and more about the grassroots soccer grassrootsoccer.org Ethan Zahn you are the man and I wish <laughs> you luck I hope you get out of purgatory and you win <laughs> two million bucks bro well you I will take you out for a nice yeah. fat meal okay sounds good <laughs> Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. 
Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.